have you ever been in a situation where you desperately needed God to speak to you? Facing a problem where there seems to be no solution? Just don't know the way out? And then suddenly, completely unexpectedly, someone who knows nothing about your problem says something which speaks into your situation and you know in your heart that God has spoken to you. You know it's a word from God himself. Now that can happen in a whole variety of ways. It can happen through preaching. It could happen through what I say to you this morning. It can happen while someone's leading a meeting. Or it can happen through what we often refer to as the gift of prophecy. And actually more often we refer to it as having a word. Um, so I want to share something about that with you this morning because in our meetings we often have people who share what they believe God is saying and it's important that we should understand what the Bible has to say about it. So on your sheet you have got a reading which is headed John 11, which is a mistake because if you know your Bible, John 11 is about the raising of Lazarus, which may be left over from last week, I don't remember. It should say Acts 21, okay? So the reading on your sheet is Acts 21. I'm not going to read it now, but just so that you know, it's Acts 21, 1, 2, whatever, 14 or something like that. The verse numbers on the sheet are correct. It's just the heading there, John 11, is completely wrong. All right. Um, now, Acts 21 has got some interesting examples of how this prophetic gift, this speaking on behalf of God, is used. Paul's on his way back to Jerusalem at the end of his third missionary journey, and in verses 9 to 14, we're told what happened at Caesarea. And that's the section we're going to be concentrating on this morning. Paul and his companions had stayed with Philip, the evangelist, for several days. And we're told that Philip had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. <coughs> and that really is my text this morning. And at the end of the message, I've got seven points on that one verse. So you can start thinking, what is the man going to say on that? All right, well, we'll get to it at the end, but before we get to that, the major event in this chapter, or in this section of the chapter, is the arrival of the prophet, Agabus, who's come down from Judea, and he prophesies over Paul. And we're going to look at that in a minute, because reading tells you about it. Um, but before we do, I want to very quickly go over three things. What the Bible in general teaches about prophecy... Hey, that's about 25 different Bible studies in itself, but we'll do it in five minutes. All right. Then we'll narrow down to prophecy in Acts chapter 21. So we start with the whole Bible, we narrow down to Acts 21, and then we narrow down to verse 9, Philip's four daughters who prophesied. Okay, so you see where we're going. Firstly then, very quickly, and for many of you this is just a reminder, that if you're new to all this, and I, I remember I was new to this as a young Baptist. Eileen and I, we both went into a Pentecostal church because we were seeking a baptism in the Holy Spirit. We wanted the power that the Holy Spirit could give us to help us serve Jesus. We'd never been in this church before. 
Nobody there knew us. We walked into the prayer meeting uh, because we checked out when it was from their church notice board. And nobody knew us. And actually, I was a bit nervous because I thought they might speak in tongues. And I was worried about that because I'd never heard speaking sounds spooky to me. But of course, today we are quite happy about that idea. And in the middle of the prayer time, just like the little prayer time we had, there was a message in tongues and an interpretation and then a prophecy and so on. And the gist of it was this. Uh, you've come into this church seeking to be filled with the Spirit of your God. <coughs> well, that's us. And, and just the whole thing, we knew it was us, us. God's thought of us, God's thought of us. And so we um, continued to go to their meetings and uh, got baptised in the Holy Spirit. And uh, well, that was back in 1959. So that's... I can resist saying the rest they say is history. But then I've just said it. All right. <laughs> So, uh, many of us are quite familiar with what goes on and what the Bible teaches about prophecy. Um, but, um, just very, very quickly. Firstly, what does it mean to prophesy? Well, it comes from a word which means to speak on behalf of someone else. And if you look in Exodus 7, first five verses, you see, God says to Moses, because Moses has complained that he's no good at talking, and God says, I will tell you what to say, I'll give you the words, you will tell Aaron what to say, Aaron your brother, and he will speak on your half. You will be like God to Pharaoh, and he will be your prophet. He will speak on your behalf. You get the idea? So to prophesy simply means to speak on behalf of someone else. And in particular, of course, in the context of Scripture, to speak on behalf of God. So in a sense, whenever you speak on behalf of God, in any context, there's a sense in which it's prophecy. Not necessarily the gift of prophecy, uh, or being a prophet, but it, it's a kind of prophecy. Okay, so that's the first thing. To prophesy means to speak on behalf of God. And there are at least four different levels of prophecy in the Bible. The first one is the prophecy of Scripture, which is infallible. 2 Timothy 3.16, 2 Peter 1.20. We're not taking time to look at those now. And all other prophecies, all other things that we say, must be weighed or judged in the light of what the Bible <coughs> says. If it's not according to the Scripture, it's not right. Yeah. Now, God gives perfect gifts, but they come through imperfect channels. Yeah. I'm an imperfect channel. So therefore, what I say could be wrong. It won't be this morning, but it just could be. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if it's in line with Scripture, it won't be. Okay. So you've got the general idea. So, prophecy of Scripture is the highest level, and nobody prophesies at that level today in that sense. All right. Now, there's, an, there's another sense. All Christians should prophesy or speak for God. And I already touched on that in a way. Every time you speak up for God, you are, in a sense, prophesying. Though it's not the gift of prophecy at works. After all, doesn't... It say that at Pentecost, the Spirit was poured out on your sons and your daughters, and so on, on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And that happened 
Because they were filled with the Spirit, which was the fulfillment of what Jesus had promised in Acts 1. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit in a few days' time, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So, in fact, when you are witnessing, and every one of us should do that at some level, in some way, when you're doing that, you're speaking on behalf of God. So, in a sense, it's a kind of prophecy. Okay? It's not the gift of prophecy, which is the next level, and that's talked about in 1 Corinthians 14 a great deal. And if you want to know more about it, read the whole of that chapter when you get home, see what you can find out about it. But the purpose of the, the gift of prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and build up the church. It's not infallible like the Bible because we're told to judge it, 1 Corinthians 14, 29. But on the other hand, it mustn't be despised. 1 Thessalonians 5.20. I could say a lot about all of those individual bits, but we're just trying to get through this bit quickly. And then fourthly, <coughs> there's the ministry of a prophet, which we read about in Ephesians 4.11. For example, God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the church to equip the saints for works of service. So that's what's on called the ministry gift a prophet, and that's what's happening in the story in Acts 21 when Agabus prophesies over Paul. So in Acts 21, actually, we've got two of these four things I've mentioned referred to. In verse 4, there's an example of the gift of prophecy. It doesn't mention the word prophecy, but this is clearly what it was. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days, through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Through the Spirit is Luke, Luke wrote Acts, Luke's shorthand way of saying, through the gifts of the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So that's the gift of prophecy at work there. And then 21, verses 10 to 14, which you're going to read in just a moment, are an example of the ministry of a prophet. So, what can we learn now? We look very, very quickly at what does the Bible teach about prophecy. <laughs> what can we learn about prophecy in Acts chapter 21? Well, let's read it. And you've got it there on the sheet. I'm reading verses 10 to 14. After we've been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Jerusalem. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt and tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, is the way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of his belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. All right, four things from that passage. Firstly, you'll notice that the ministry of a prophet can be predictive. It can foretell the future. Most prophecy isn't foretelling the future. It's simply speaking on behalf of God, okay? That could be about the present. But it can foretell the future. And of course the Old Testament prophets prophesied many things about the coming of the Lord Jesus. And indeed about his second coming. 
So it can be predictive. And we see it in verse 11, because Agabus says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind. He's predicting something that's going to happen in the future. We'll bind the owner of this belt and we'll hand him over to the Gentiles. Now, just interestingly, if you read on later in Acts, where this prophecy is fulfilled, it isn't fulfilled to the letter. Which shows us that even the ministry of the prophet, although it may convey the essential message that God is giving, may not be 100% accurate. And that's something we need to bear in mind when we are weighing prophecies. Okay, now if you're interested in that, you read on in Acts and see what I'm on about there. So it can be predicted. The second thing is, sadly, it can be misapplied. Verse 12, when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Now will you notice that Agabus did not say to Paul, you should not go to Jerusalem. Agabus said, you're going to Jerusalem and this is what's going to happen to you. I mean, in fact, that's what he's saying. He didn't say, don't go. And I'll come to that in a bit more. But you see, understandably, because the people loved Paul and were well-intentioned towards him, they wanted him to, oh, don't go, don't go. We don't want you to be arrested. We don't want you put in prison. And that's a very natural reaction when God speaks. So God's spoken through the prophet, but the people are misapplying it. The only person who can apply it accurately is the person about whom the prophecy is given. That is, Paul himself. And Paul knows that God wants him to go to Jerusalem. I'll come to that in just a moment. If you go back to verse 4... Still in chapter 21, this is referring to a different occasion. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Exactly the same kind of thing is happening. Now, some will believe that Paul disobeyed the Holy Spirit because this verse says, through the Spirit, he was told not to go. But... As I've suggested to you, this is Luke's shorthand way of saying, through the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit himself is infallible, but his gifts which come through human channels are not infallible, and of course they have to be weighed. How do I know that Paul was in the will of God in going to Jerusalem? If you go back to chapter 20, he's not on your sheet, verses 22 and 23, Paul says this, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. That's Paul's statement. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there. But of course a bit later on he's told what's going to happen to him there. Agabus tells him. Okay? But not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me. Hey, that's interesting. The level of the extent to which the gift of prophecy was exercised in the early church, in every city. Yeah. In every church, there were people with the gift of prophecy. Yeah? And so it should be. Yeah. So it should be. 
how sad that in many churches who don't believe in these spirits attempt to do that by a prophet today is an abuse of the gift, in my opinion. We often hear people say, we need prophets to give direction to the church. Nowhere in the New Testament did a prophet give direction to the church. Now, why am I saying this? Because we need to understand that Acts 2 was a massive shift in the whole state of affairs. Before Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit came at the day of Pentecost, only a few select people received the Spirit for certain select purposes. That's all through the Old Testament, only some. And even in the New Testament, before Pentecost, only some people received the Spirit. But Joel had prophesied that in the last days, said, God, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So you see, before Pentecost, people needed prophets to tell them what God was saying to them. But today, we do not need prophets to tell us what to do because we have the Holy Spirit ourselves. The Holy Spirit teaches us. That's why Paul could know what the Holy Spirit wanted him to do. He had to go to Jerusalem. So, what I think a prophet can do is say that they believe such and such about you and if there's a witness in your heart that what they say is right, their prophetic word is a confirmation to you of the will of God in your life. That's not the same as prophets telling you what to do. All right, and finally on this section, before we get to the main point of the message for daughters who prophesied, yeah, we're all right for time, don't worry. <laughs> Number four, even the gift of prophecy, even with the gift of prophecy, we do not always know God's will for sure. Wow. Now, notice I said, I didn't say we never know God's will for sure. I said we do not always know God's will for sure. There are times when we know that we know that we know God has spoken to us and what he wants us to do. And that's great. But there are times when we don't know for sure what God wants us to do. And all we can say is, the Lord's will be done. Which is what they said in verse 14. Right, pause for a little sip of water. Philip's four unmarried daughters. And by the way, this is not just for women, it's not just for the unmarried. It's for everybody. Now, I gave a bit of thought to this, as you might guess, and that's how I've ended up with seven points. They'll all be brief. Firstly, you realize that they didn't have the same gift as their father. Philip was an evangelist. These girls had the gift of prophecy. Which reminds me that the gifts of the Spirit are given as the Holy Spirit determines. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, quite clear. To one is given this, to another is given that. So there are differences of gift. We're not all the same. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't some evangelism, even if you're not gifted as an evangelist, because we all tell other people about Jesus, but we're not all gifted as evangelists as such. 
Okay, so just notice that, interesting. They didn't try and be what their father was. They had a different gift from the Holy Spirit. <coughs> On the other hand, almost seems to contradict what we've just said. Point two, they all prophesied. So they all had the same gift as each other. Well, you see, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. He can do what he likes. If he wants four girls to prophesy, then fine, then so be it. If he wants the dad, he wants the dad to be an evangelist, fine. That's great. God knows what he's doing. So I just like... The, the, the idea of all there's kind of no restriction on this now obviously the Holy Spirit gives as he determines but 1 Corinthians 14.39 Paul says to the whole Corinthian church be eager to prophesy so you, maybe you're not all going to get the gift of prophecy but you should at least want to because you want to edify, build up encourage other people in the church and at some level you can anyway, it may not be the gift of prophecy but you can get something from the Holy Spirit which blesses somebody and helps them and encourages them every time you pass on a word of scripture which is a blessing to someone well actually you're passing on the more sure word of prophecy which is the word of God not necessarily the gift of prophecy of word so they all prophesied. The third point is, and you wouldn't get this immediately from the text. Now I think some versions say he had four daughters who had the gift of prophecy. Which isn't literally what it says, but it is exactly what it means. The third point is they did so regularly. And um, I'm going to give you a Greek word which you'll immediately forget. It's prophetiousai. So you've forgotten it already. All right. <laughs> this is a bit technical. It's a present participle. And in the Greek language, a present participle always implies continuity. You use it when something keeps on happening. Actually, the French Bible translates it very well. The French copes with it better than English does. Um, I won't bother you with the French. All right, but uh, it, that they were prophesying, if you like. It's, but it's something they went on to. Perhaps the best English rendering of it is um, who used to prophesy. I mean, literally, the Greek says Philip, who had four unmarried daughters, prophesying ones. All right? So, in other words, there's a sense of continuity in this gift. So, what's the point I want to bring out of this? Well, you see, if God has given you a gift, you should expect to be using it again. You should stir up the gift that's in you. And maybe some of you this morning have been used in speaking in tongues for interpretation, or, or you've been used in interpretation, or you've been used in prophecy, whatever it might be. Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. You're meant to keep on being used by the Holy Spirit because God gives gifts and the gifts God gives he doesn't take away. They're not just manifestations that happen once and never happen again. There's an ongoing sense of the one he's given this gift. How do I know that? Because in 1 Kings 14 it says, if there's no interpreter in the church, the person who speaks in tongues should keep quiet. Well, how do you know if someone's an interpreter? because you've already heard them interpret. Get the general idea. So these gifts are permanent. Well, 
they're not permanent in the ultimate sense because in heaven we won't need them hallelujah but until Jesus comes they're there all right D or four uh, I like this they were not discouraged by the fact that their father was probably away from home quite a lot I mean he was evangelist we know from Acts 8 you know he's moved around quite a bit this had affected their attitude to the Lord and it is possible isn't it for teenage kids and I'm going to suggest to you in a minute that's what they were it is possible for them to get resentful because dad's away on ministry or we're going to just have to be on ministry away too much all that's very very understandable but these girls all credit to them. They've got an experience of the Spirit for themselves. They refuse to be discouraged because Dad wasn't there very much. Wow. So, that's the first of four things, the last four points of my talk, that uh, I want to bring. And that is, they were not discouraged. That their father was quite, was probably away from home quite a lot. Next, point five, they were not discouraged by the fact that their sisters already had the gift. Now, is that a bit surprising? Well, have, have you heard of sibling rivalry? <laughs> and that can work two ways. If your brother or sister has got something, you want to have it and you want to have it better. It can work the other way. If they've got it, oh, I don't want it. Have you not seen that at work, though you had kids? I remember one of our children, and I'm not referring to the team leader of this church. <laughs> one of our children was learning the piano. But when her younger sister was obviously much more gifted at the piano, she decided she didn't want to play. Uh, well, she played something else instead. But uh, I'm not saying that critically at all. I, I love my dear children. But uh, it's, it's natural, isn't it? It can work by the way. But these girls were not discouraged by the fact that their sisters already had the gift. I'm assuming they didn't all start at the same time. Who knows? Maybe they did. And then they were not discouraged by the fact that they were probably quite young. I'm saying that because they were unmarried. And in that culture, it would be most unusual for four daughters, all to be unmarried. By a certain age, they were all expected to get married, and did. So they were probably teenagers, or possibly younger than teenagers. So assuming they're young, or at least some of them were young, they're not put off by their age. And I'm going to say to you, we should not be put off by our age. And I'm not preaching to teenagers at the moment. I can't see any in the meeting. Oh, for the day when we get loads of them in. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Some of you don't know so sure about that. <laughs> Our age, whether we're young or whether we're old, should not deter us. You're not too young to exercise spiritual gifts if you're saved and filled with the Holy Spirit you're not too young and you're not too old either it's never too late hallelujah and finally 
they're all right. They weren't discouraged by the fact that they were female. I never understand how some people think it's wrong for women to speak in church on the basis of certain Bible verses, which I don't have time to go into now, but there is an answer to. Oh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, let the women keep silence in the church. So that's in a certain context, in a certain situation. But he can't mean that totally, because in chapter 11, he tells them they can prophesy. But you can't prophesy silently. You can pray silently, but you can't prophesy silently, because prophesy means speak. And here's an example. Four females, all of whom are prophesying. The bottom line is this. If God has given you a gift, whether you are male or female, he intends you to use it. They didn't hold back because they were female, which in their culture would have been much easier to do, to hold back, than it is in ours, because we're a lot more liberated in our culture today. And even so, there is a tendency for some to think, oh, maybe I shouldn't, I'm only a woman. God forgive you if you ever think that. <coughs> Acts 2, verses 17 and 18. I will pour out my spirit on my sons and my daughters, your servants and your handmaidens, the old King James says. And they shall prophesy. <coughs> so do not be discouraged from exercising, but speaking on behalf of God. So I finish with a question. Is anything discouraging you from speaking on behalf of God in any particular context? What might be holding you back? You probably won't be a prophet like Agabus. Though we could have someone in a church like this and someone with that ministry. But it won't be for all of us. Paul says, are all prophets? No. And you might not have the gift of prophecy, like Philip's daughters, or the some of you I know have. You will never be infallible like the words of Scripture. But what can you do? You can ask the Holy Spirit to give you words that will encourage others in the context of the church and you can tell people who don't yet know the Lord Jesus your experience of him and that's all you're required to do so I encourage you brothers and sisters be open to the Holy Spirit even more in the coming days because God has poured out his spirit upon us it's his will that we'll be witnesses to Jesus to the ends of the earth, and that includes Brixham. And it's his will that we should prophesy and encourage one another, one, one another with that wonderful gift. So, in the words of the Apostle, be eager to prophesy.